Welcome, everybody, to the first guest episode of the Creationship Goals. And today we have our friend, my friend, Raji Hassan. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> uh, today we have a little setup. We're in the Petrini's Pizzeria, and David is continuing to be here over Zoom, and Raji's here in person. What up? How are you? Good. Yeah. I'm good. I'm really glad that you're doing this. I knew you would be a really perfect first guest. Thank you. Uh, you're one of the best communicators I know, and oh. you're patient. You have a kind <laughs> heart. I'm not patient by nature. That's a choice. Yes. That's a choice to. Is it so? What What you then said is you're more than impatient in like. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. I think everybody's impatient by nature. I think Why? everybody is impatient by nature. Oh, I think okay. patience is learned. Ooh. How do you learn patience? Well, first, you need people in your life who are telling you that it needs to be learned. You need people in your life who can tell you the truth and say, that behavior is impatient, that's impatient, that over there is impatient. And then when you are aware then you take the steps to learn it. And I, I break those things down very practically. So when I need to learn something, I go into the practical, what are the steps I could take? So for me, patience is found in my breath. Mm -hmm. If I feel tension of anger, I take a breath and release the tension and I keep breathing. And if I feel impatient, I slow my breath down. It slows my heart rate down. It slows my mind down. And then I say, I'm not in control of this thing, whatever the thing is that's making me impatient or angry and give it over to God. That's amazing. And I see that in you. <laughs> so it's a practice. Yeah. A little bit about you. You are an actor and a writer yeah. and you're a communication coach. Sure. Communication. What would you call that? I was, I did call myself a communication coach. I, I'm not doing so much communication coaching anymore as I am writing about my theory of communication. Okay. Um, but I, I call myself an actor and a writer with a specification in human connection research. What connects us? What stops us from connecting? And how do we really receive each other? Does that make sense? How did you how did you even get to that point? Like you, mm. you give it real big words uh, uh, and uh, th there's a point where you get there, you know, there is yeah. depth of personal research and reflection before you get there. What was your starting point? How did you even get here? I started studying acting. I just like, yeah, even in the, no, but just even in that word, what you said, like the, um, because we will get to the acting at one point, but just, well, I'm telling you, David, I'm sorry to cut you off. Everything is related. Every single thing is related. And the reason I find myself here now is because of the thing that happened yesterday, that happened before that day, that happened before that. Everything is a response. Mm. Today is a response to yesterday. Yesterday is a response to the day before that. And it all started when I went to acting school. Mm. Because acting training is learning how to listen. The best actors are great listeners. And within my acting training, I also got voice training, which is why you hear this very mm -hmm. 
resonant buttery thing. Um, and so I needed to make money in New York when I wasn't acting. So I started to teach voice lessons, speaking lessons, but people didn't care about their voices and I couldn't find clients that way, but people did care about how they were communicating. Hmm. How are they, how does their voice sound when they're angry? How does their voice sound when they're sad? How does their voice sound when they're happy? And so instead of teaching voice, I started to teach communication, how to make yourself be, how to express yourself clearly in moments of very high emotional tension. And then from there, it went into human connection because we're all looking for connection, right? And acting school is the study of connection. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It does, it does. That's good. So I'm sorry to cut you off that way, but it, it started there in acting school. No, that's great. I think just, you know, it's really, um, I think it is really easy to <laughs> disconnect those things. Um, yeah. Talking about communication as being something that is, uh, you know, it it drenches everything we do. You know, mm -hmm. it influences everything and it is evident in everything. Uh, so uh, just to give you a bit of perspective to like uh, when you say things like research, do you, um, do you talk with people? Do you mm -hmm. uh, like you said, you did work with people because you said mm -hmm. that you did do some coaching. Can you tell a bit more about that? Yeah, I used to do one-on-one -on -one coaching with people. I still do one-on-one -on -one coaching when I am available. I I do corporate workshops. I go into businesses and I talk to businesses, the teams about how they are talking to each other and whether or not their goals are, whether or not they have common goals and they're all reaching them together or whether or not everybody is disjointed. Hmm. Um, I have clients that are, I talk, just on their personal communication. How do you talk to your husband? How do you talk to your wife? How do you talk to your boss? Do you feel that you communicate in fear or do you feel that you communicate in your love and your authority? Things like that. Um, yeah, go ahead. So relating that to acting, yeah. how does that make you a better actor? Or even bigger than that, how does that make you a better creative? That's a manifold answer there. <laughs> The more people you interview, the more human catalog you have in your mind. And so the more experiences you can put on text when, if you're an actor, mm -hmm. um, as I can read something and think, oh, that reminds me of this person that I used to coach, or that reminds me, sorry, all of my students who I used to, sometimes I use you. I apologize. Um, <laughs> um, and also. I mean, if I'm really listening to my, whomever my communication student is, I have my own discoveries while we're working mm -hmm. about, oh, this is, you know, this is why you exploded in this moment. We think you're exploding in that moment because of you're, you're angry in that moment, but really it's that thing that happened to you five years ago that's now showing up. So much of acting is we see, we see a character in the moment on film or on television or on stage. But what makes that person compelling as an actor is all of the back history of that character that informs the moment, that makes that person a, a full human that the audience is never gonna know about. And so when I'm doing communication work with people, I'm taking bits and pieces of their stories and putting them into the character stories that I play. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. It's all a catalog. Every experience that we have, every single experience that we have 
is a catalog to use later for some kind of creation if you're a creative of some kind. So you can use any experience. I mean, you can use sitting in traffic on the 405 or somewhere in the Netherlands. You know, you can you can use technical technological mishaps as an experience. Everything watching you touch your chin is an experience for me. You know, if I'm if I'm if I'm present enough in the moment to like catalog things as I'm and then it gets to be really annoying because then you think, oh, enough of the cataloging, just be here with your friend. <laughs> Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. so you try to strike the balance. Sorry, everything becomes this like uh, everything becomes another communication session, and that's absolutely. It. Yeah, yeah, and that's the worst thing. Yeah, yeah, it can be. Can, it can, can be you awful. Just give a moment. Can you just tell us a moment, maybe, that you had with friends or family that you really had to cut yourself off? Like, okay, this is not. <laughs> now I'm going into this communication session it, thing. It happens with my mom all the time. Because I can right now, I'm I'm crashing in my mom's house while I save a little money. I moved. I was in New York for ten years. And now I'm back in Los Angeles, where I was born and raised, and I'm in mom's house saving money. And I can hear her. She's not going to listen to this. I highly doubt this. I'm, my mom is not your audience. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, the case. Hi, mom. Hi, mom. I can hear my mom in her meetings at work because everybody's working from home now. And the way that she communicates in those meetings very often is not healthy. <laughs> and, a, and, and a little fear-based. And so I'm like, do I bring that up with her or do I sh shut myself in my bedroom or do I, like, I gotta leave, I gotta leave. Um, but, and there, there are times when I'll be fighting with my mom or like fighting with the, this is awful. This never do this, but I'll be fighting with my mom or fighting with a friend and I'll step out of the fight and start to critique the way that they're fighting, which is so terrible. <laughs> It's so, so terrible. That's my arrogance and my pride going, well, you know, you could be more generous right now, or you know, you could listen to me, but oh, it's just the worst. As opposed to being humble and saying, I'm sorry, I've made you feel that way. I'm working on that one. And I've gotten better. I mean, I used to explode at my mom all the time. And she says that I haven't, I'm not exploding all the time anymore. Now it's sometimes, which is, that's good. Great. <laughs> but going back to your, you're looking at your entire life as a whole. Mm. What was it that got you interested in this? Like, as a creative person, something in you just sparked to gain this passion about acting, communication. Mm. What was it that sparked that? And do you believe that is part of your purpose? Okay, well, I believe that my purpose is to teach others around me and myself how to listen to one another. That's my purpose. I'm really, really good at helping two people understand each other. Specifically, if they're disagreeing, I'm, I'm very, very good at helping people empathize because pain feels the same. It doesn't matter what the cause is, but anger feels like anger feels like anger. Sadness feels like sadness. Betrayal feels like betrayal doesn't matter how or why that's happened. Those feelings are the same. And so if we can understand that my pain feels like your pain, yeah. then we really are the same thing. And maybe therefore we won't judge each other so much. That's my purpose. I'm really good at that. Um, and again, that came from acting training. Acting, my desire to act came from watching I Love Lucy <laughs> as a kid. Um, with my grandma, I watched I Love Lucy and and the Carol Burnett show, Amazing. and uh -huh, and the Golden Girls. I was probably too young for the Golden Girls, but 
I love that show. Mm-hmm. Um, but really watching I Love Lucy and the amount of joy that with which I was filled watching that show, I thought I could do that. Like, or not, I, can't, I didn't know if I could at that point. I wanted to do that. I wanted to do that and fill myself and others with that kind of uproarious joy in terms of the comedy. And then from there, I like started doing drama at church. And then from there, I started doing drama in high school. And then I got accepted to NYU and then went there and studied it and realized that acting training is like a whole other thing from like sitcom acting and blah, 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 blah. Right. But I like where it's led me. But does that answer your question? Yes, it does. Yeah. It's cool. You're also really interested in the art and craft of acting, Mm -hmm. the things that make different types of acting so special. I mean, I know you went to New York because you got that theater bug or that theater bug bite. That's not why I went there. No, I went to New York because I had one teacher at Long Beach City say, you need to go to New York City and train. Okay. And I... I thought I was going to graduate from Los Alamitos High School and go get an internship at Warner Brothers in, the, in a writer's room <laughs> and write comedy. That's what I thought I was going to do. And my mom said, no, you have to go to a university. And mm. at the time, I, if I could go back, I probably, I probably would have gone to Warner Brothers and interned in the writing room and, and gone the route of the Groundlings or UCB or something like that and done comedy. Mm. Um, I'm thankful for my, my training in the craft, like my stage training because it led me to where I am now, but keep going. <laughs> now that you know how I got there, what's your no, question? No, that's great. Um, I find that very fascinating. You are one of the most passionate people I know when it comes to acting and creating characters and um, learning the ability to listen. You have taught me so much about listening and being present in the moment that you're in. And I, I think that's very biblical. I think mm. That is we could talk about Jesus on this thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, great. Yeah, oh, well, then Jesus. the whole thing just cracked open. I, well, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I love oh, him. I love him. That's great. I love him. 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 And I would not be sitting here right now if it weren't for him. Mm-hmm. Period. Is that physically or spiritually? Yes. Mentally? Yes. All of the above? Yes. Wow. I mean, I would agree with that for myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I keep cutting you off. I'm so sorry. So you you were saying to me about my love for the craft and listening and how that's biblical, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, I think that's really special. I think that that is one of my favorite aspects of acting because I think I I think Jesus was a good performer because he was such a good listener. I think he was a good, uh, and I say performer lightly, not in the way that he was fake or put on any kind of presence but he was in front of people and he was himself holy which is what you are so gifted at you are able to be yourself holy in front of people and it's always come just natural to you as i could say for myself as well it's easy for me to be in front of people it's easy for me to bear myself and i thought it was easy for me i it's easy now. I, I thought it was easy. And then I went to school and it got incredibly hard because I realized that I was not being myself in front of people. I was hiding in front of people. And then my teachers cracked me open. And that was the most painful thing I ever experienced. I mean, truly the most painful thing I ever experienced. And then 
when I was cracked open and sobbing in front of everybody and looking like a complete mess in front of everybody. That's when I felt the voice of Jesus say, I love you like this. And I went, what? Oh, okay. And then from that moment to now, that was probably like 2012 to now, I'm just now becoming comfortable with being that in front of people. I've always right. been entertaining. What you're talking mm -hmm. about is me being entertaining. Okay. I've always been entertaining, but I have not always been comfortable being myself in front of people. Okay. Entertainment is a part of who I am, but it is not wrong. Entertainment is a part of what I am. And I had no problem being what I am in front of people, but I couldn't be who I was in front of people until I knew who I was. And I didn't know that until like five minutes ago. You know, but I do think that there, what I have and what you have, I know for sure. And I would guess you as well, Dave, I don't really know you, but you have a rare courage. Hmm. You have a very rare courage. Mm -hmm. And I think that I have a very rare courage. Right. And what you're noticing is rare courage, not necessarily me being myself. Got it. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. There, there you go. And, and, and courage in and of itself is not a feeling. Courage is not a feeling. The feeling of courage is actually fear. Courage is the action accompanying fear. What feels like courage is some sense of elation, some, some sense of happiness, like, whoa, I just did that thing that made me so afraid. That's not courage. That's, that's fear and then happiness because you did the thing. Courage is an action. Okay. Does that make sense? It's like mm -hmm. feeling, action, feeling makes yeah courage makes the concept of courage and what you have and what i have is the rare ability to go feeling action feeling i see yeah i would agree so right. i was going to ask what the relationship was between entertaining mm. and courage mm. but um that's a think, good question do you think everyone that has that natural gift of facing fear and being courageous should exercise that by learning how to um, kind of expose themselves or, or discover that that thing that's inside of them that is being covered up by their desire to entertain and perform? I don't understand the question. <laughs> <laughs> Do people that cover themselves up with the desire to be in front of other people do you think those people should learn the ability to be vulnerable? I think every human should learn the ability to be vulnerable. That's why it's called vulnerability. I think every person needs to practice that because I do believe that we are born into a world that is painful. Mm-hmm that is very, very vicious and mean. And therefore, because of how vicious it is and how mean it is and how painful it is, we hide. Mm -hmm. And you can hide to an extent, I think you can hide one of two ways. You can hide by hiding or you can hide by pretending. Okay. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Amazing. Yeah. You that can hide is... by going away. Go ahead, David, go ahead. No, that's exactly, I'm sorry. That's exactly like for, our uh, Bible trivia listeners, what you're saying there is the Garden of Eden. Uh, mm -hmm. 
because True. in the end like one thing that i'm realizing is you know when a baby is born it's born vulnerable like i've like yes. i would even say that it's actually the the idea of learning vulnerability is actually an act of reconciliation back to where we were and where we started you know uh, say that again say that again so, again so the act of learning for vulnerability is an act of reconciliation to our identity in god uh, can i tell you what god said to me last week i was on a walk i was praying and i felt the voice of god say to me raji you have been on a journey to return home to the man i created you to be come on i think everything is an act of reconciliation every single thing because he is a perfect god and he makes a perfect thing and then we go through the the broken world and we then at some point reconcile who we were created to be that's exactly right there i mean like my experience is that is that mm -hmm. no, so you're i i think that you're right it, that's also how it feels you know just the i don't know the, the whole um, um even like when you, i remember when i first met jesus and just when i started discovering more of what it meant like life without just that wasn't just about me but just about life itself and about other people when i started to discover that i started to see um more and more how estranged i was with being myself mm-hmm Makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so, um, I mean, it's a life journey. It's not like anyone who is listening this, if you feel like I've got this together, believe me, there will come a moment <laughs> when you will come together, a part of you, you will find a part of yourself that's like, no, that's not me. That is something I want to be, or that is something that I thought I was, um, but I did it out of shame or out of negligence or mm. whatever it is. Mm. Um, and so I, I feel you totally. And it's, it's beautiful because if you read Genesis, you see that God comes to the people that are hiding mm -hmm. in the only way, how they know how to hide themselves in this vicious world. And God asks them, where are you and why have you been hiding? Mm. Um, mm. and it's actually the question of responsibility that comes up. Why, why ownership? <laughs> why have you done this? Why are you not? The person i create you to be and then god bringing the people back on a road that is still going right now back to reconciliation yeah um, that we are a part of i feel you totally in what mm. you're saying it is so beautiful man um and i feel like the way how you like you say like there is like you say like that is part of my calling you know um i feel that is exactly what the world also needs and there's a lot of people that need <laughs> to have that calling uh, because there are a lot of people that actually uh, need people to guide. Uh, well, thanks. You know? yeah. I think you're spot on, David. I think you're, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. And it's all, this, everything that I'm saying, I did not, I did not come up with it. <laughs> you know, I have a great therapist. I have, <laughs> I've had one shout out to therapy. Shout out to Carlos Alcantara. Oh, Alcantara Wellness. Um, I have an amazing therapist. I have an amazing mother. I have wonderful mentors in my life that look me square in the face and tell me when I'm acting like a fool. Mm -hmm. And they say, this behavior you need to look at, that behavior you need to look at, that you need to change. I have many, many people that point out 
self-sabotaging behaviors to me all the time. Mm. And we need that if we're going to, if we want to grow, we need that. Mm -hmm. So anything that I'm saying <laughs> has come from something someone else has said to me, mm -hmm. you know, and I imagine the same is, the tr is true for the two of you because you were in this discipleship program. And mm -hmm. again, everything is a response. Mm -hmm. We rarely come up with something on our own. God does that. Mm -hmm. God does that. But we, I don't think that we do that. You know, I think we're responding to him saying something or res or responding to something else someone says said to something else someone said to us. Yeah. Or like your discipleship training or your discipleship, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, for instance, like even the idea of revelation is just our a sudden understanding of something that God already taught you, something that was already given, the sudden exactly understanding right. of that even that thing that <laughs> we see as something that is so huge within our within our faith is still a response oh my gosh also can i can i use that yeah, go for it. can i use that a revelation is just a sudden understanding yeah oh my i'll quote you for sure what's your last name and how do you say it <laughs> uh, you want to do it in the dutch way or in the english way do it in the dutch way of course david the han david the han david the yes. han <laughs> Yeah, that's it. What's Raji in the Dutch way? Uh, tell me. <laughs> uh, Raji would be Raji, I think. Raji. Yeah, Raji. <laughs> Raji. There you go. Depends a bit. So tell the people what you have learned through your experience, maybe even getting into what led to breaking down that wall. What yeah. what was in the way? What was that an issue of pride? Because that's that's something I know I've gone through. I. I've had to let go of pride to get to places of vulnerability because I didn't want people to see who I was behind that wall of an entertainer. Uh -huh. Before I get there, we have to define vulnerability though, because it's mm. such, it, it's so, it's such a cultural buzzword now that has myriad definitions. Mm -hmm. And I actually think that vulnerability, intimacy, and transparency are three very different things. Mm -hmm. that can work together, but they're not actually all the same thing. And they're, and they are, that's my opinion now. They're used interchangeably. So when you say vulnerability, what do you mean? I mean, the place where you are one with the creation that God made. Whoa. That's good. But okay. I do want. Go ahead, David. I do want to ask then in a second a second question though. How do you define that without putting in religion, like our own? Like it's really easy to put in our Christianese words to define it in a way that we know from from our perspective. But to put it broader, also for people that have because vulnerability is something that everyone has to find, and I mm -hmm. believe. Uh, we have in that such a blessing because God is like directly helping and that is available for everyone. Um, uh, yes, that is a shameless plug to follow Jesus. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> for you. <laughs> uh, but still, you know, to put it in perspective for people that don't know the understanding of what it means to come in, you know, in closeness with the creator and in the, in, you know, in the reality of the creator, what does it mean for, yeah, using let's call it normal words can you define it that way mm. i would say vulnerability is when you have let go of pride hmm. 
And I mean that by letting that's go. That's a very good answer. Yeah, oh, well, that's a very good answer. And I've never heard anybody say it that way, but keep going. Um, yeah, vulnerability is the act of letting go of pride. Um, and I would define pride as putting yourself above not only others, but above God, which mm -hmm. in a way is the ultimate sin if we if we really want to get there. Mm -hmm. um, it's making ourselves God. And I feel like God, the first thing he would want to do is break that down because we are not God and we are far from being God. So he gives us, that's why I've always thought that people that are so naturally gifted with facing uh, fear and being in front of people and performing, I so often think he puts us through seasons where we have to be our most vulnerable because a lot of us have so much pride to mm -hmm. break down mm -hmm. because we love the attention. We love the spotlight on us, but it's not the spotlight on Jesus as much as we think it is, as much as we are thinking because we're starring in a play at the church, it's on Jesus, but, but really it's on us. Right. So God wants to remind us that while you don't, uh, you aren't as quick to run away from fear as others are, you're quicker to make that fear-facing ability about yourself and not about me. Hmm. David? <laughs> it's not a complete answer, but... I'm sorry. I would say no, no. He, he, I think his answer. You're talking about your own. Yeah, I would say <clears throat> vulnerability is the uh, accepting that you're broken. Uh, and yeah. uh, let me tell you why. Um, this goes in many ways. In uh, our perspective, from our belief, I still come back to the idea of Adam in the garden, mm -hmm. um, where him being broken also looked at him walking with God because he accepted the position that he was with God uh, as friend, but also as almighty, you know, God was God almighty back then as well. Um, but um, I think um, this world has such a, like our lives, our societies have huge problems with accepting brokenness. Even our churches do. Like everything is come as you are, but as you come as you are, you also need to be pure and you also need to be this and need to be that and need mm. to practice this or that, you know. Um, there is, uh, we put vulnerability always together with uh, uh, just expecting things from other people as well, just expectance. And mm. I would say that vulnerability and expectance don't go together, I think. Vulnerability is separate from expectance because being vulnerable means that you have nothing else to give than who you are. So um, there is this 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 feeling that I have, like I feel right now, like in the last months, I feel so vulnerable. Mm. And the reason why I feel vulnerable is because I feel a bit broken, you know? Mm. And it's in the moments when I feel like when God is, you know, chiseling away the stone, like you know that scripture in Isaiah, where God is chiseling away the stone in what would become Israel. And there is 
uh, the chiseling is never nice. <laughs> the statue that comes out of it is beautiful, you mm. know, and God is making a beautiful statue out of people. Uh, but uh, it is still, the chiseling still happens. It still happens. And mm. I think vulnerability is accepting that God is chiseling uh, and that you are being chiseled <laughs> and that you are being made more beautiful and beautiful like uh, uh, while time progresses. And also to show that. Because like even when we try to be vulnerable, if you look at society and we try to portray vulnerability, it's always being put in a certain context of politics, you know, in pr protests. Oh, yeah, we are society. We feel this and we feel that. So we want to do something about it. And then vulnerability becomes an action. And so there's never a moment in society where people stand still and say, I am vulnerable, period. Mm. I think apart from people that are being you know, eventually even sometimes forced into therapy sessions and <laughs> have to say like, I am vulnerable, <laughs> you know? And try and having to be made broken during acting classes mm. uh, or, you know, needing to repent before God. There is few moments when people actually dare to actually be properly vulnerable. Mm. Um, and so that's why I say like, it's vulnerability means accepting that you're broken. Um, accepting so. broken. Yeah. That's good too. To give the people some practical application without spending $500 on an acting class <laughs> or a $200,000 on an NYU scholarship or not scholarship, uh, tuition. Right. What are some exercises that we can do to break down that pride and be that, accept that broken person or? Uh, even love that broken person. Well, I think there's a difference between accepting your brokenness and staying broken. Mm -hmm. Because I think that Jesus is about the journey to wholeness. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, why would we choose him? <laughs> so there is the acceptance of my brokenness. I accept that I am broken. And I accept that you and you in your power can make me whole. Mm. And so what I think vulnerability is, is not tapping out when it gets hard. Mm -hmm. It's the Brené Brown answer, actually. Mm -hmm. Vulnerability is just staying in when something gets hard. And which I think points about like getting over your pride, because mm -hmm. in order to stay in when something gets hard, you have to lay your pride aside because it's your pride that tells you to get out. Yeah. And then also accepting that you're broken. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's, I mean, it's all those things, but so first, I think recognize that there is brokenness and accept the brokenness inside of you. Accept Jesus as wholeness and how he is the journey and the path. The path to wholeness is paved with Jesus. Like that's what that is. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then along the journey, when things get really, really hard, don't tap out. Mm -hmm. Stay tapped that's in good. when something is really hard. That for me is ultimate vulnerability. And then transparency is when you tell the truth. You can tell the truth and run. That's not vulnerable. Mm -hmm. You can right. tell the truth because people think people say, oh, let me just be really vulnerable with you right now. And then they'll tell you the truth or some deep, dark secret, but then they'll run. <laughs> That's not vulnerable at all. That's just transparency. Right. Intimacy is when I share a deep personal truth with you that now you have the power to disown me based on something deep and personal that I've shared with you. If I share something deep and personal and risky with you, that's me being intimate. 
It's also true. So that's me being transparent. And then when I stay, when it gets hard, that's me being vulnerable. You see the difference there? I do. Between all three of those things. So that's just my opinion. And so when you ask me, what are some practical things we can do to break down the pride? Is that what you're saying? Mm -hmm. The first thing we can do to break down the pride, one, accept that you're broken, as David said. Two, get over the pride, as Josh said. But also, how do we get over pride? That's a great question. How do I do that? I can tell myself I want to do it, but how do I get over the pride? I think the way that we get over pride is by understanding fully. I am no better than anybody else. That's so good. Come on. Yeah. I'm not better than anybody else. I have the same body with the same appendages. You poop, I poop. We are all the same thing, no matter what we believe in. We are all the same thing. I'm not, privilege doesn't make me better. My brain doesn't make me better. My skin color doesn't make me better. My gender, my sexual, whatever. None of those things. I am the same because I came from the same thing and I will return to the same thing when I am done. Physically, no, physically, I will return to the same thing. And so in the, in the way, because pride says me only, I am the best. But when we can say, you know what, that person over there is just as talented as, as I am, is just as smart as I am, is probably more talented or more smart than I am. That's how we can get over the pride. And then when we get over the pride, then we are set up to begin to take the walls down. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's you know that, that, that there is this... Uh... The saying in English, you know, get off your high horse. Mm -hmm. Yes. See what it is. That's literally what it means to get off, like to lose pride. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a really interesting, um, really interesting idea because it's also get off your high horse also means it is uh, it requires action from your side. It's not mm -hmm. going to happen magically, you know, mm -hmm. it's not, uh, uh, you are not leveling, literally not leveling with other people at that point. And True. you are giving yourself more status. You need to let go of status as well. Bingo. That's the word. So status is the is, word, actually. Yeah. Let going of status. And and because status games are the worst things in the world. They're just they're just awful. Mm -hmm. And then once we're over the pride, once we let go of the status, like you say, David. Once we get the pride out of the way that says I am better than everybody else, not true. Once we can accept that we are all the same then you will allow yourself to make mistakes. And that's where creativity fully, fully shows up is in the, in the allowance of mistakes. So a, a wonderful, I think she has an Oscar. Does Carol Kane have an Oscar? Somebody Google that, Carol Kane. Does she have an Oscar? Well, there's a nomination at least. Um, when I was in New York, I ran into her in a, in a lobby in, in a building where I was training. And I said, oh my God, Carol Kane. And she was like, yes, I know. And I said, do you have any? Yes, I know. <laughs> That's what people always say. Oh my God, you're Tom Hanks. Yes, I am. Um, <laughs> I said, do you have any advice for beginners? And she said, never be afraid to make your mistakes because inside of the mistakes, you'll find your greatest moments. Mm -hmm. um, and, and in order to allow ourselves to make mistakes when we're creating, whether it's acting or writing or painting or dancing or singing or building your business, that's creation of its own kind. You have to allow the mistakes. And what allows us to make mistakes is getting over the pride and understanding that my self-worth is not in whether or not I make mistakes, because that's what pride tells you. Pride tells you I am worthy because I haven't made any mistakes. That is pride. That is a lie. 
Mm. It's a lie. And so when you put the pride aside and say that my self-worth is not in whether or not I make a mistake, my self-worth is in the fact that the creator of the universe knows me intimately and personally and wants to walk with me whether or not I'm making mistakes, then you understand I can make a mistake because he's not going to leave. Mm -hmm. And then when I can make a mistake, I can do the greatest work ever. <laughs> That's great. Wow. That's really great. Thank you for saying every bit of wonderful thing. I actually, you already answered my question. I was going to ask if you knew of anyone that any example that you had, but you right away had somebody in mind, which is amazing. Um, before we wrap it up, Emmys, by the way, she won yeah, two Emmys. Won two Emmys. There you go. Carol Kane. Oh yeah, I've got advice from everybody. Um, <laughs> both in the eighties, nineties, uh, no eighties, both in the eighties. We like to, because we have such a deep conversation, we like to wrap it up and ask just a really fun, completely random question, the most random question in the world. Mm -hmm. um, I got this question from another one of my favorite podcasts by Joseph Gordon-Levitt called, I can't remember what it's called. Well, certainly not creationship goals. It's not creation. I love goals. that title. <laughs> anyway, it's a Joseph Gordon-Levitt podcast, something creativity. I haven't listened to it in a while, but Raji. Hi. Is cereal soup? Define soup. <laughs> However you define oh, it. Oh, he does communication. <laughs> <laughs> Someone look up soup. Someone Google it. Okay, I'll go for it. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. Soup. Now I get different soup. You, were, you just wanted like a yes or a no, didn't you? Now? No, I wanted a Sending little... you on like a uh, wild goose chase. I like the goose chases. <laughs> okay, so soup. <laughs> a liquid dish, typically savory. Typically savory. Mm. And made Ooh. by boiling meat, fish or vegetables, etc. in stock water. That's Oxford. Oh, then no. <laughs> <laughs> No, cereal is just cereal. Okay, its own thing. According to that, yeah, its own thing. But wait, second oh. definition of soup is a substance or mixture regarded as resembling soup in appearance or consistency. Oh, then yes. <laughs> in your definition, would you define it as soup? No. Okay. No. no. Very communi communicated very clearly. Yeah. Cereal is not soup. Not to, to me, it's not. Well, thank you, Raji. That was yeah. incredible. I took a lot away from that. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, to end it, what where can people find you? What what are some things you're working on? Okay, so you can find me on Instagram, Raji Asan, R-A-J-I-A-H-S-A-N, at my website, rajiasan.com. Things that I'm working on. Um uh, I had the pleasure of shooting an episode of Dave, the the comedy Dave on FX, Hulu, something. That's coming out soon, I think. Um, I am finally... I had a talk show for about three years when I was in New York called Making Brews and Paying Dues that some friends and I made together. That is transitioning finally into the Rajasan show. And <laughs> <laughs> very soon that will show itself online somewhere. Um, wherein we talk about human connection and how to connect and why it breaks down. And I get to interview some of my favorite, favorite people in the world and 
and and then I'm always making stupid stuff on Instagram. Amazing. I think. Yeah. Well, so, thank you, yeah. everybody. Um, you can find me, Josh, at Josh Volcano on Instagram and TikTok. Yeah, and you can find me at david.rdh on both my Instagram and my TikTok. And and you can find us on Instagram on at creationship goals. Uh, so please follow give us. Give him a follow. Share. Yeah, give us a good a gold star on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen. Just share it, you know, like you mean it. And uh, yeah, if you have any suggestions on who we have to add to the show, uh, just let us know. Send us a message. Uh, feel free to ask questions. Uh, and um, yeah, we might even incorporate. Right. Well, thank you, Raji. My pleasure. We will see each other again soon. Yes, All we right. will. Bye. Bye, David. Ciao. Ciao.